It's the Happy Families Podcast. It's the podcast for the time-poor parent who just wants answers now. For today's podcast, we're diving into our lives and sharing with you what's worked and what hasn't. It's called I'll Do Better Tomorrow. This is the bit where we get a bit personal and let you know what's working and what's not, how you can make your family happier. Uh, Just before we do, though, on Wednesday, we shared a little bit of our history. We talked about how Kylie and I met. We talked about how I proposed, how I wish I could do that again, and everything associated with what has led to, well, we're about to hit 26 years of marriage in around about a month from now. Um, While we were talking about that, I found some research that I wanted to share. It's only just been published. The British Psychological Society in the UK have popped this into their email and it happened to come up just in time for Valentine's Day. And and I just thought if you're in a relationship with somebody that you care about and you want to make that relationship even better, this would be some great advice. So Kylie, before we do I'll Do Better Tomorrow, I'm going to share some more. It's almost like a doctor's desk, except on a Friday. Woohoo! I love your sense of humour. In fact, that's what this is about. A good sense of humour, according to the researchers, regularly scores highly on lists of most desired traits in a romantic partner. I think that's why you're so crazy about me. So crazy. But while there's a whole lot of research exploring why we find funny people appealing and how humour might help on a first date, there's hardly any research at all into the role of humour in established relationships. So Kenneth Tan at Singapore Management University and a bunch of colleagues put it in a recent paper in Psychological Science, which is a really prestigious psychology journal. And they, they asked the question, are couples who are funny more satisfied with each other or are satisfied couples more able to see the funny side of their partners? And then they brought in 108 couples for a diary study so that they could find out. The couples were all at the Singapore Management University. They'd been in their relationship for an average of 18 months. So we're not talking about people who have been in relationships for as long as you and I, Kylie. But every night for seven days, they used a seven or eight point scale to rate during that day how funny they had found their partner, how humorous they had been or how humorous they tried to be. Uh, with their partner and how satisfied they felt with their relationship and how committed they felt to their partner and finally how committed they felt that their partner was to them. And what the researchers found was clear links between human production, human perception and perceptions of the strength of the relationship. In other words, on days when one individual was particularly satisfied or committed or felt that their partner was highly committed to them, they also reported bringing more humour into interactions with their partner as well as finding them funnier. I love that. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> what are you owing about? This is what I, what I think it really says is when you're comfortable with people, you can sort of let your hair down a little bit. You can relax. You can joke around. People like it when we're light and breezy and cool and relaxed, which, again, is why our marriage has lasted 26 years because I'm so – You're so funny. Cool and relaxed. <laughs> Just wanted to share. Happy Valentine's Day. Hope you all enjoyed Valentine's Day on Wednesday, by the way. All right, Kylie, so what we normally do on a Friday is we dive into our lives and talk about what's worked and what hasn't, what people can learn from our parenting efforts, mistakes or wins uh, so that their families can be happier. Why don't you kick us off since I've just talked about how funny I am? It's getting a little bit hard to talk about our children anonymously now that we only have one kid at school. (laughs) Okay, so today's a story about Annie is what you're saying. We have one daughter who's at school, grade 11. There you go. This is all about her. (laughs) And after our big weekend away, on the way home, she had asked whether or not she could have the next day off school because it had been a big weekend and she was tired and she was a little bit stressed about trying to catch up with 
um, school work. And so she just kind of said, if I stay home, then I'll catch up on everything that I've missed and I'll be ready to go to school the next day. What a terrible idea. But as we talked with her, we obviously acknowledged that that was not going to happen, that she'd had the privilege of having a couple of days off school already and that she would have to go to school the next day. Well, it just happened when she woke up the next morning, she was not feeling well. And normally I would kind of be a little bit more lenient with her and I would say, yeah, okay, have a, have a rest, have a sleep and, and get your schoolwork done. But I just had this sense that this might have been self-manifested right. as a result of the conversation we had the day before. So she's feeling stressed and anxious and therefore now she's not feeling well enough to go to school. That's right. right. And so I decided that I, I needed to push a little bit on this one. And so I said, I want you to get ready, have some breakfast. And I said, and once we've um, finished at Bible study class, I said, we'll see how you're feeling and we'll go from there. So she did all of that happily. And once she had finished, I looked at her and I said, you know what? I said, I'm just struggling a little bit because yesterday you actually asked for a day off. And I said, and I'm wondering how you are feeling now, whether or not that's a result of our conversation yesterday and you're kind of living into the fact that you don't want to be at school and so you're now feeling a little bit unwell or whether you genuinely are unwell. And I'm not suggesting that you're not. I'm just trying to kind of work out where we're at. And she looked at me and she said, I don't really know. And I said, so here's the deal. I'm at home with the kids today. Um, Homeschool. Homeschooling. <laughs> um, and I'm really happy to come and pick you up. But I think that I would really like you to just give it a go and see how today goes. Well, I didn't get a phone call. And by the time she came home, she had a big smile on her face mm. and we got through the day. When I asked her how her day went, she just said, oh, I'm just really tired. But there was an energy to her that was not there in the morning. Sometimes it's really hard as a parent to know when to push and when not to push. But I think that it's really important for us to help our kids recognize and see that while we see them and we understand what they're going through, that there are some things we just kind of have to push through. And on this occasion, I might have got it right and we did okay. Lesson learned. The, the worst thing is when you do that and then the kids like crumble and you're like, oh no, I've, I've, I've pushed too hard. I've gone too far. But I gave her an out mm. as well. There was an acknowledgement. I was really happy to come and get her and I would if things deteriorated throughout the day. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't an arbitrary, you have to go and that's it. I'm not you know, tough love, but it was an acknowledgement that right now I'm just not sure where you're sitting and so I want to see how you're going to yeah, go. Let's give it a go. Uh, that reminds me, a, a, a recently deceased friend of ours, uh, Kelly Megan, uh, he's an American guy uh, and he had this phrase that he used to use, if you're walkable, you're workable. In other words, if you can get out of bed and walk around, you can go and get on with your work day. If you collapse at work, then obviously you need to go back to bed. But if you can get up, go and have a go. And Tough well, boss. Well, yeah, kind of. But, <laughs> but at the same time, I think there's something in that. And as you experienced with Annie, we, um, we saw her manage to pick herself up and go pretty well throughout the day. Just before I share my older better tomorrow, can you give us like a 30-second update? We're a couple of weeks in now. How's homeschooling going? <laughs> Well, it's going. That's my that's my <laughs> typical line. Okay. Well, biggest surprise? That there's probably a lot more prep work on my end than I anticipated. You can't just let the kids go and do homeschool. No, definitely not. And I guess the number two thing would be that I'm actually really impressed with how well Emily has coped at school up until this point because she needs absolute one-on-one uninterrupted time with me. As soon as I pick up my phone, somebody walks into the room, 
she's away with the fairies and it's really, really hard to keep her posted. So I can't imagine being in that position and being in a class with 30 other students that are, you know, kind of all moving in different directions and teachers, you know, talking to other students. Like there is so much distraction in our kids' classrooms. So tough for neurodiverse kids. And to be able to sit with her and have to work through that one-on-one, it's really time-consuming. Um, but she's she's doing great. She's actually doing great. She's really motivated to learn. But we've just got to we've got to really hone in on those distractions. That six hours a day doesn't exist for you anymore. That's no, that's really what you're saying. Yeah. What's your story for I'll Do Better Tomorrow? So I'm not going to share a personal one this time. Uh, I want to share an email that came through podcasts at happyfamilies.com.au. This one came from Mel. Mel's in WA, and I just appreciated the email so very much. It is a heavy topic, returning to something from last year, but it was so beautifully put together, and I think it's so resonant for so many families that I just have to read it. So Mel said, um, Hi, Happy Families team. I just wanted to send on behalf of my son a poem that he wrote at the end of last year. She says, I've been a longtime follower of Happy Families and as an OT and mum of three sons, I participated in a Happy Families course about two years ago. It was fantastic, all about raising good men. Uh, She says, at the end of last year, I read about the tragic story of Justin and Kylie's nephew, Logan. And one evening we were discussing it as a family. I showed my eldest son, Henry, who's 12, a photo of him surfing. And we had a big discussion about mental health and what had happened in this instance. Henry's a really keen surfer and lover of the ocean. And I think that the image was very powerful for him. It really impacted Henry. And the conversation we had was really challenging and honest. Not long after this, Henry's English assignment was to write a poem on an issue impacting young people today. I don't know if I'm going to quite get through this email. Uh, Mel says, he chose men's mental health. He called his poem, The Boy, and wrote it with Logan in mind. Henry performed it in front of his tutorial and was then asked to present to the whole Year 7 cohort, roughly 180 boys. I just wanted to share this poem with you as the story behind Logan's passing has generated a huge amount of conversation and has had a massive impact on a young man on the other side of the country and has then been discussed more widely in his year group, encouraging the message of opening up, feeling emotions, not having to be tough, talking to your friends and finding help when you need it. Written by a then 12-year-old boy, I find it really moving and just wanted Justin, Kylie and the team to know what an impact they've made in sharing the story of Logan. So Henry wrote this as a year seven boy. It's called The Boy. On the outside, you can see the confidence and smarts. When really the inside is filled with fractured parts, everyone sees him as secure and fun when all he wants to do is run. His only escape is to the beach where he relaxes and feels that happiness is within his reach. But like the islands that he surfs, he feels isolated on this earth, slotted in the perfect wave. He feels moments of peace. However, it offers only a temporary release. The future and expectations are too much to handle. His hope and belief are blown out like a candle. Too many young lives being lost to things that should be avoided at all costs. To families and friends, it's like a dart to the heart, losing someone you've loved from the very start. Inner feelings become immense until it becomes too intense. Our ability to express our feelings and talk helps us come together to support and forward walk. Like the reef coral spawn, there is an opportunity we can regenerate each dawn, check in with your mates, take care of each other. It always helps if you open up and talk to your brother, sister, father or mother. So, Mel, thank you so much for sending that through to podcasts at happyfamilies.com.au. We're so grateful that in us sharing something hard in our life, that it's moved you and your family and had an impact in the lives of others. I actually had a chat with my mum the other day, Kylie, and she said that um, she 
heard from a friend of a friend. Like, you know how people are sort of related in bizarre and unexpected ways. Everyone's within seven uh, connections of somebody else. And, and this person had said after the death of Logan, they had been sitting in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And somebody walked in and said, I'm here for the first time and I'm here because I've just lost a friend. And mentioned that uh, in, in losing Logan, it had made them think, just, just completely reevaluate their lives. And they were there because they needed to make changes. And as it happened, everybody's connected. And it got back to my mum that, well, people are changing. And, it, and it, feels, it feels so sad that we don't have him, but it feels so good that people are reevaluating and, and, and trying to do things well. So, Mel, we appreciate you and we appreciate your son sharing that. Uh, just such a, a wonderful thing that you've done. We really hope that the things that we've shared in today's podcast will inspire you this weekend to have better relationships with your kids, whether it's a bit of tough love, whether it's sitting down and working through difficult things or talking about conversations that are hard to have but so necessary. The Happy Families podcast is produced by Justin Rulon from Bridge Media. Craig Bruce is our executive producer. For more information about making your family happier, we'd love for you to visit us at happyfamilies.com.au. We've revamped our Happy Families membership. It's no longer called a membership. It's now called The Quest. If you'd like your family to be happier, we're happy to take you on that journey. We'll hold your hand. We'll take you step by step, month to month, on a very carefully and empirically validated program to help your family to thrive. You can find all the details about The Quest at happyfamilies.com.au. Join the waitlist there. Our next intake starts in just a couple of months. Mm-hmm.